1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app. Log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more go to odyssey.com slash taylor tay in the uk it's on the odyssey app thanks to republic records this is a national contest
2: one fm talk podcast
3: the any fry show youtube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by ruler foods low prices no coupons ruler foods
1: that is exactly what i needed to hear
2: thank god someone here knows what they're talking about <laughs>
1: Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture.
4: Don't get
5: me wrong, I love the ladies. I mean, they read my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom.
3: It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady.
0: What do you want from me? I'm not a married sweetheart. For the sake of Keep your voice
4: down. Your
2: father's listening to the radio. I'm not married This is the
3: Annie Fry Show. As President Biden goes down to the border today for a photo op, as Ben aptly pointed out, he has the authority today to fix this problem that he created. And let's go back to his first day in office. Joe Biden with a pen undid the policies that President Trump had in place that were working. Remain in Mexico was a negotiated agreement between our two countries. You know, when Joe Biden says, oh, it's hard because boy, Mexico doesn't want to do it. Mexico didn't want to get into the agreement when President Trump was in office. But President Trump made it abundantly clear to the president of Mexico why it was important to happen. And ultimately, it did happen and Remain in Mexico stopped a lot of that illegal flow. Ending catch and release was something else President Trump did that worked effectively.
0: That's uh, Representative Steve Scalise highlighting the border trip that Joe Biden is deciding to make right now. He clearly identifies something is going on at the southern border that deserves his attention. And uh, maybe it has something to do with politics because this disaster has been exploding into our country for the duration of his presidency. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. There is so much ahead of us on this show today. And of course, across ninety-seven-one all day, Mark Raiden's is going to pick up right where I leave off at three o'clock. There is a ton of news that is progressing through the storylines in very impactful ways. There is no possible way that you could keep me from talking about the state of Illinois today and their moronic idiotic way of doing business out of cook county a cook county judge coming out and saying uh yeah we're gonna boot donald trump they took away my right to vote for donald trump that's what the state of illinois has done i it's like will the last republican elected in the state of illinois please shut off the lights oh no wait they'll be shut off anyway because we don't invest in smart energy and we are constantly trying to cut our nose off to spider face. A judge in Cook County says, no, Trump's not going to be on this ballot in the state of Illinois. Hans von Spakovsky is going to break that down for us in about 15, 18 minutes from now. But this news just in, I wasn't planning on talking about this at this point in the show. I was going to do it with Hans, but I do want to get you the latest on the Illinois ballot uh, decision. Fox News reports former President Trump's campaign appealed a ruling from an Illinois judge that removed the 2024 presidential candidate from state's the state ballots on thursday the trump campaign appeal contests cook county circuit judge tracy porter remember that name tracy porter tracy porter tracy porter ruling that trump is disqualified from candidacy under the constitutional ban on quote insurrectionists so that's the that's the update the trump campaign has appealed it and now we wait and see what happens next hans von spakovsky is going to talk to us about that And he's also going to talk to us about the Supreme Court taking up the immunity uh, case to see what possibilities that could present. Donald Trump, I I do understand that if since they have taken it up, what I continue to hear from legal experts is the idea that we are now pushing this all into June, into the middle of the summer. So blockbuster stuff going to be happening on all of that in the timeline of trying to get many of these cases To do the damage that is intended to be done uh, by the election, that timeline getting stretched out is very, very bad for the likes of Jack Smith. The other thing that I'm excited about is at 125 on the show today, we're going to speak with Chairman Jason Smith. Of course, he's the representative from Missouri's 8th District, and he is the chairman of the House and Ways House Ways and Means Committee, he's going to talk they about this. They kept
3: sending money. They'd send $5 million here. They'd send another million there. And what Hunter Biden wants you to believe is they got nothing in return, but they kept sending money. Uh, that's laughable. There's no legitimate business purpose that he uh, provided no. for this. There was no product. They brought no capital to the table. So it's really a, 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 a farce. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I think, the bottom line. Are we really at the point in America where we're going to say that the first family of the United States, or in this case at the time, the second family of the United States, can accept tens of millions of dollars from foreign adversaries, and it's not a problem.
0: So that's Peter Schweitzer talking about Hunter Biden, the investigation going into him in the House. Chairman Jason Smith will be on with us at 1.25. Um, But our next guest to talk about the Southern border and also this big news that came out of uh, yesterday's cycle. After all
6: this time, I still get a thrill walking into the Capitol, and especially on this venerable floor, knowing that we, each of us, have the honor to represent our states and do the important work of our country. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back, hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership.
0: Mitch McConnell announcing he's going to step down from leadership in November and uh, that this will be his last term. This is really an important uh, development in the Senate. Of course, there are huge issues that need to be addressed like the southern border. And that's why we bring our next guest on. uh, Our senator here in the state of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, joins us. Thank you so much, Senator, for the time today. It's great to have you back.
4: It's great to be on there, and I, I guess I'm that younger man uh, sitting in the back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good reference. But, uh, but yes,
0: I like how he said that Ronald Reagan used to call him Mitch O'Donnell. That's kind of a funny little quip that, that he <laughs> yeah, delivered uh, there. I just want yes. to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, the the major or the minority leader, I should say, and what this development means for the Republicans in the Senate.
4: Well, it's a pretty unique opportunity um, to choose, you know, a new leader of this of the conference and and somebody I think that. Uh, can help lead the country, right? I'm, I'm very hopeful that, uh, we'll take the Senate back and be in the majority after November. And it's a very consequential role. And so for me, I'm looking for somebody who's reform minded, uh, a conservative leader, and uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I intend to talk to whoever, uh, kind of throws their hat in the ring. This, again, this, ha- this doesn't happen very often where you really have kind of a, an, an open interview process for who's going to be the next leader. So, uh, it's an important time for the country. And I certainly view, uh, you know, the, the the race the for or the uh, the majority leader race uh, in that vein.
0: Uh, last question on this issue: How long should voters expect you all to pick your next leader? How long does that process intend to take?
4: Well, based on what he said yesterday, we'll, we'll uh, after the election when you have new members come in. Typically, those leadership elections happen the next week. So, you know, the elections on Tuesday, and and people usually. Uh, get back the following week and and make those selections but you know in the past there hadn't been a lot of drama associated with this stuff um, but but now you know there will be um, at least a couple people that that throw their hat in the ring and we'll see we'll see what uh, who else does that but for me it'll be very important I'm going to sit down and talk to them because I want to make sure that you know for example that that individual senators who represent a state like Missouri are going to be able to affect legislation whether it's appropriations or vehicles or things that we care about there's a lot of things that go into what this looks like like, and I think also being, I guess, what you could refer to as a, uh, a you know, a newer member or, 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 you know, newer generation here in the Senate in my 40s, uh, somebody that has that kind of view of the world, right, that, that Washington isn't so disconnected from the people that we represent uh, at home. And that's really important to me, too.
0: Yeah, it's incredibly important. We're so glad that you were there to help uh, advocate for that. We're speaking with United States Senator Eric Schmidt. Um, I want to shift away from Mitch McConnell. We'll wait to see what develops there. The president of the United States... Has found the southern border. That's the good news. Uh, the Border Patrol Union tweeted out today at eight thirty-seven a.m. Attention, President Biden. Keep our name out of your mouth today. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that tweet?
4: Uh, they know what time it is, right? I guess they know what time it is. It's look, the split screen today of Joe Biden being at the at the border uh, with with President Trump being at the border too. You couldn't have two of more contrast in record, really. You know, under under. President Trump, we had the most secure border we've had in 40 years. In December of 2020, it was the, it was a 40-year low in illegal immigration, and now we have record numbers every month. And there's 9 million plus people here. Uh, We don't know who they are. We don't know where many of them come from. They're given a court date. They're released to the country a court date for sometime in the 2030s. I mean, no country in the history of the world has willingly uh, ceded their southern border like we have. And so it's just a a total disaster. And by the way, the same laws exist right now that existed when President Trump was president. And when he secured the border, Joe Biden just doesn't want to enforce those laws. He doesn't want to bring back Remain in Mexico. He doesn't want to uh, stop abusing the parole, which is sp- supposed to be individualized, not based on what country you come from. And so there's a lot of things he could do right now to secure the border. But the truth is, he doesn't want to. And even if he wanted to, uh, which I don't think that he does, he's captive to the left, who are in open borders. The Democrats are an open borders party now. And th- we're seeing the results in real time. I'll give you one example. Um, Venezuela had a really terrible crime problem. A few years back, they just started sending their folks uh, elsewhere. And now that many of those, the criminal element that was terrorizing parts of Venezuela are in in the United States committing crimes. And so in addition to the fentanyl, in addition to the human trafficking, we're seeing this now uh, play out in the United States. It's not in some other country. It's here and it's perfectly preventable. It's a man-made crisis. And that man is Joe Biden
0: speaking with Senator Eric Schmidt here on the Annie Fry Show. I um, look at the the bill that was sent from the Senate over to the House uh, saying Ukraine, Israel, and and the House has sent HR2 over to the Senate. And Joe Biden says, give me the power. And there's a lot of blame going around everywhere, not a lot getting done on the Southern border. Where do you and your fellow Republicans in the Senate stand on the current situation on who has to take responsibility Take action and get something done right now.
4: Joe Biden has every authority right now he needs under existing law to secure the border. That's the truth. And I just actually posted on X and people can follow me at Eric underscore Schmidt. I just posted a tweet thread of a speech I gave on the Senate for that laid out month by month the actions taken by Joe Biden to undo the initiatives that we had under President Trump methodically go through what are the, you know, few dozen thing, actions that they took. Also, back in 2021, the Biden administration and Secretary of Yorkers, they were bragging about it. They were bragging that they had undone all of Trump's policies. And so we're at where we're at. So if you just got back to that, they're de- now, could you improve the law? Of course. But the border provisions that they were negotiating with the Democrats took us backwards. They were not improvements. And then when you end up with just $61 billion for Ukraine and we're not doing anything to secure our own southern border, I'm not going to support that. And I didn't. And a majority of the Republicans in the Senate didn't. So um, that's where we're at. Where we're at.
0: Okay. Senator Eric Schmidt with us right now. Last question before I let you go. And we're very grateful for your time here on 97.1. The leadership in the House has changed. The leadership in the Senate has changed. The leadership at the RNC has changed. And all of this is coalescing around Donald Trump muscling his way through the primary season to be the nominee while he is being uh, attacked through lawfare in every district that it seems like the Democrats can get away with it. Is your sense, being there in D.C. and also talking to your constituents in Missouri, that there is a real coalescing around Donald Trump, America first, that can win in November?
4: I do. I do. And um you look at the, the, the people who've who've you know been in front of voters most recently um, really America first, you know, conservative worldview on things. And, you know, I include myself in that class. You had generational turnover in the Senate with everybody that came in recently, J.D. Vance, me, Ted Budd, Katie Britt, um, you know, the list goes on. And then the people who were elected before, and then Josh Hawley, of course, my counterpart, counterpart was elected in 2018. And so you're seeing a new generation, you're seeing people say that we've got to make sure that the people of this country know we care about them. And that's going to drive our agenda. We want to make sure we have a secure border. We we need to be energy dominant. There's no, again, no countries w- declared war on their own energy sources like we have. We should be dominant exporting liquefied natural gas to the world. But Joe Biden, you know, declares war on that. We've got, you know, wage st- stagnation now because we've got high inflation. People in a house cost twice as much as it did uh, just three years ago. So these are the kind of priorities that we need to move forward. And we need to be unapologetic about it. We're willing to fight for the American people. And that's what I ran on. And that's what I'm going to do here. And I'm, again, I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood in North St. Louis County. Um, you know, I'm not afraid of hard work and I'm willing to put the hard work in to make sure we get this country back on track.
0: Yeah. Senator Schmidt, we see it. We're grateful for your time and look forward to reconnecting with you. All these news stories are developing so fast, it's hard to just pick a few to talk to you. So we hope to get you back soon and keep up the hard work.
4: Anytime, Annie. Take care.
0: Thank you so much. Bye bye, Senator Eric Schmidt, uh, the senator from Missouri, my adopted senator. Why? Well, because Illinois is an FCC non-compliant word to me right now, and I, I, I was, I was mad last night. I was mad. I went out to dinner with the lovely Gentesky, and we were having a lovely time. And I got in my car, and there's, it's. I think the Fox News headline was, uh, "Blue State." bumps Donald Trump from the ballot. And I'm like, you better not. And I I was like, ah, (laughs) Illinois! And I said this on all my socials. Time to let the Illinois freak flag fly. I gotta make sure I say all those words correctly. Because we are out of our gosh darn minds in the state of Illinois. There is... If you look at the makeup of the state legislature in Illinois and the supermajority, the obnoxious supermajority of Democrats, Illinois, uh, Missouri, y'all, supermajority Republicans, you guys have your problems. I understand that. I respect it. Things are being worked out in in Illinois. It's a supermajority of Democrats, and they just stumble and bumble through everything. Cook County judge saying Nope, Trump's off the ballot. Give me a freaking break. It's not going to stand. Donald Trump is appealed. But when I get to talk to Eric Schmidt, when I get to talk to people in the state of Missouri, you guys are heading in the right direction and you care deeply about the people who you represent in the state. In Illinois, just across the river, give the Democrats power. They're going to run so fast and so far away from you with that power. You're never going to be able to catch them back up. You think Donald Trump is going to win the state of Illinois? Because the only bright spot I can see out of what this ridiculous Cook County judge employed yesterday through her stupid, ignorant ruling is that we got to keep Donald Trump from winning Illinois. Really? Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to take that as a grain of salt. Watch the Trump uh, campaign appeal, which they have, and watch Illinois get smacked down as they should. Hand to God, prayers to Jesus. (laughs) I can't take this state and their obnoxiousness. It's great to speak with Eric Schmidt, and he is exactly right. And I am excited for Missourians and my proximity to Missourians that you have a guy like Eric Schmidt representing you in the United States Senate. We've asked Josh Hawley to come on the show as well. We'll see if we can connect with him. And we're going to take a quick break right now because we're going to talk about that Illinois uh, judge and and her ruling and if there's even an ounce of traction to it with Hans von Spakovsky when we come back. We're also going to discuss the fact that the Supreme Court said that immunity case, we're going to take that up. What does that mean? What are the potential outcomes? Where does the timeline go? I have so many questions, which is why Hans von Spakovsky will be on with us next. Don't go away.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
6: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30
4: minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: Is pulling former President Trump off the primary ballot.
6: Illinois now becomes the third blue state to make this move. DePaul professor Nick Ketcherubus is joining us live now. So, secondly, how will this impact primary voters who have already voted in support of former President Trump, either by mail or or early voting? So, it won't
3: it won't affect those folks who have already voted. Um, what will happen, and, it, and he stays on the ballot because ballots are already printed
2: and, and uh, being cast. Uh, what will happen is if this judge's ruling stands, their votes will be invalidated uh, at the end of, of, of the election period.
0: We the people of the United States,
2: more perfect, form
0: of our perfect union.
2: Heritage legal expert Hans von Spakovsky.
0: Hans, man, I was thinking about you yesterday. I think you probably know this, but I live across the Mississippi River in the state of Illinois, and I literally yelled last night when this news alert came across my phone. This state of Illinois that I live in is a state of disrepair. What do you think about this?
6: Well, I can't say I'm surprised by what a partisan, democratically elected, democratic party local Cook County judge. It's
0: very specific. Uh,
6: Yeah. I mean, think about the absolute arrogance of this judge who knows, knows that this question is pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, which is so many levels above her, you can't even count them all. And yet she goes ahead and says, well, I don't really care that the Supreme Court is going to decide whether I and other state officials actually have the authority to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and defy the U.S. Supreme Court and take him off the ballot.
0: So, what did does she just want her name out there? Is, yes. I, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
6: It's just that simple. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly it. Look, she is just like uh, the Secretary of State of Maine, Fanny Willis, the Democratic prosecutor in in Atlanta, Alvin Bragg, the the Manhattan prosecutor. These are local Democratic party hacks who want to make their themselves known nationally to the Democratic party, and that's what's driving this.
0: It, so here's the question, is the Supreme Court just the ultimate all the way across the board smackdown of this kind of behavior? with how, I guess, specifically the ballot question, do all these people have to sit down and shut up if they rule, if the Supreme Court comes back and says, you can't take him off the ballot?
6: Uh, I think the Supreme Court is going to issue an opinion that's broad enough to, to void all of these other cases, including what just happened in Illinois, what happened in Maine, even though those Specific uh, parties aren't before the court, because, look, if they come out, for example, and say um, Section three of the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to Donald Trump, he doesn't fit within the language. Well, then what this Illinois judge did is totally and completely invalid.
0: Just like that. Well, I'm praying that that's the case. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears here for you a second and talk to you about the immunity case. Here's CNN right. making this. Report. This is a massive development, Jake. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up the issue of whether former President Trump has immunity from the federal election subversion case that he is facing. So I I say this each week and I'm going to say it again to you. There are so many cases against Donald Trump that the average voter, even the more attentive voter, cannot keep them straight. Can you talk to me about where the immunity conversation comes in with the Trump charges? And then we'll get to what the Supreme Court taking up that case actually could mean uh, down the line.
6: Sure. Um, This is in the case filed by. Special Counsel Jack Smith. So this is a federal case. It's a criminal prosecution of Donald Trump, four counts for supposedly defrauding the United States by claiming that he had won the 2020 election. I mean, look, the entire indictment is bogus to start with. Jack Smith is a very, also a very partisan, biased lawyer, as his his record has proven. But in essence. Uh, President Trump has come in and said, look, you're attempting to criminally prosecute me for actions that I took while I was president, when I was acting as president, and I'm immune from that. And that's an issue that has never been decided. Um, The federal trial court in Washington, D.C., where these charges were filed, uh, that judge ruled against him and said, no, we don't have immunity. It was, <clears throat> it was appealed to the Court of Appeals that covers uh, the District of Columbia. Uh, but in the meantime, they haven't actually issued a decision. But in the meantime, Jack Smith actually went directly to the US Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has now said, yeah, we're going to take up the case. And until the Supreme Court makes a decision, uh, the criminal case isn't going to go forward. The, the judge wanted a trial to start in, at the end of March, but that isn't going to happen because the Supreme Court has now said we are going to take up this case. And if the, if the Supreme Court comes back and says no, a president is immune from uh, criminal prosecution, that would throw out Jack Smith's entire case.
0: The entire case. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about the four counts of defrauding the United States that, has, that surrounds January 6th. Is is there specificity that Jack Smith is saying you did this, this, this and this? That's how you defrauded it. I mean, he gave the speech on January 6th. Is that enough that he didn't? What, what are the specific things that they're saying he did? They're like, that's where the fraud comes in.
6: Well, the, the basis of the the fundamental basis of the claim is um Jack Smith saying that when, when he made those assertions that he had won the race, uh, he actually knew that he hadn't. And that any and all actions he took to talk to state officials and ask them to not certify the results in places like Georgia and elsewhere, and all his conversations with members of Congress telling them that they should object certification as they're allowed to do under federal law all of that was a uh, criminal wrongdoing which which is totally ridiculous all of that activity is protected by the First Amendment uh, and the president is now saying uh, like I said I've got presidential immunity the important thing for people to know about this is that this is an issue that has never been decided by the US Supreme Court because nobody's ever tried to criminally prosecute (laughs) a former president for actions that he took while he was president. Um, People have, in the past, tried to sue former presidents on a civil basis, saying that they, they were damaged by, you know, something a president did. And the Supreme Court on that issue has ruled that presidents are absolutely immune from any kind of civil liability for actions they took while they were president.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm watching as the cases seem to be developing, and I think it was Megan Kelly who tweeted this out, but with case after case after case, the developments that are happening, let's add in the Fonnie Willis situation in Georgia, which I'd like to hear your thoughts on briefly as well, but Donald Trump looks to potentially be drawing the inside straight here, especially on timing, the postponement of the, the rapid speed with which the people prosecuting him wanted to have this done so it could be done nice and tight and bright before the election takes place, that in many of these cases, things are looking up for Donald Trump.
6: Well, they are. Um, certainly in the in the case involving Fannie Willis down in Atlanta, who uh, the testimony has revealed uh, is an unethical liar um and and should be removed from that case and here um the the federal criminal case yeah i said the judge wanted the case to start i think it was march 24th supreme court has accepted it and said arguments they'll hear oral oral arguments on the the week of april 22nd and they aren't going to issue a decision right after that it'll take them a while to issue a decision the latest we would hear from the court with a decision would be June 30th. That's the end of their term. And if they wait until then, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to be in the midst of the summer uh, election season and the upcoming national conventions.
0: So if, if the Supreme Court rules that immunity does apply to Donald Trump in the uh, defrauding the United States in regards to January 6th case with Jack Smith, those cases are all done right? They're gone. That's it. Because he has immunity.
6: That that is correct. And for those who think, oh, well, a president shouldn't have immunity. Well, yeah, he should, because otherwise presidents will be afraid to act and afraid to take actions which could result in criminal prosecution down the road. And the easiest way to to think about this is that uh, think about the opposing views that the different political parties have on events. And, and think about what would happen if a president ordered a drone strike on someone who, who is a terrorist, but things go wrong. And instead of the terrorists being killed, a bunch of civilians are killed. Well, a new administration comes in from the opposite party who hates the former president, and they say, you know what? Uh, that drone strike was unjustified I want you to prosecute the former president for murder. I, I, in these days, I can easily see that happening.
0: Uh, Hans von Spikowski with us right now, I uh, I want to make sure that we cover all of our bases here. And we're watching as Donald Trump has been every everything's been thrown at him, whether it sticks or whether it doesn't stick. That this this constant conversation is very politically based and the, the arena that the political conversation happens to be happening in is a courtroom. The one thing that I continue to see come up as we are having this discussion and especially the January 6th and the accepting of the election or trying to overthrow the government and Donald Trump being responsible for it is the idea of the the fake electors. And I know that you've heard this conversation a lot. I know that you've heard that criticism of President Trump a lot. When people are talking about fake electors, what are they discussing that they're suggesting Donald Trump has done that is of criminal uh, problem?
6: Well, they're claiming that setting up an alternate slate of electors was somehow a criminal act. And I would strongly, strongly uh, dispute that what what uh donald trump was doing was setting up an alternate slate contingent slate of electors in states so that if if state officials decided that the election in their state had been wrongly decided that fraud had occurred the alternate slate of electors would be there and available to conduct the vote by at by the December deadline where the electors have to vote. And the idea that that's somehow criminal, I think, is an abuse, uh, and it certainly doesn't pay attention to our history because, for example, in 1960, there was a dispute in Hawaii between Richard Nixon and Kennedy, uh, Nixon was declared the winner. Kennedy set up what? An alternative slate of electors in case There was a final decision saying that he had actually won. And in fact, that's what happened. Hmm.
0: Uh, I I want to read to you a listener comment right here from Edward. He says, when a slate of electors have already been certified by the state, it's not alternate electors at that point. It's fake electors. Is that a true statement?
6: They they were said, no, he's got this wrong. Um, What if the state had determined that the election, let's say that the state said, oh, look, there was all this fraud in the election. The wrong individuals was declared the winner. The fact that folks were electors who were on the ballot wouldn't give them the right to uh, vote because the, the state has just said, actually, you didn't win the election. So setting up an alternate slate of electors to be able to vote in case uh state election officials say the wrong person was declared the winner, that's that's not a crime.
0: I appreciate your answer. Thank you, Hans. Uh, there's always so much to talk to you about, and we're looking forward to seeing what develops in the Fonnie Willis uh, situation. And we're going to get you back as soon as we can to talk about that, because that seems to be materializing uh, quite quickly. Do you think that Fonnie Willis and, and Nathan Wade are, are going to be toast?
6: If the judge follows... The- the law and follows the evidence produced, the answer is yes. The question is, does he have the political courage to do so?
0: Capital I, capital F, if. We will wait and see. Yes. Hans, thank you. Love speaking with you.
6: Thanks for having me.
0: Talk to you soon. He's a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, a former FEC commissioner, and he wrote the book on elections, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Go check it out. Hans von Spakovsky here on The Annie Fry Show. Eric Schmidt right before him. Oh, man, I feel like my work here is done. But it's not because in the one o'clock hour we have Tyrus and Representative Jason Smith, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, was questioning uh, Hunter Biden yesterday, probably at about this time. I've seen him on Fox News, I don't know, a dozen times since then. And we get to talk to him at 125, but not before we talk to Ryan Wiggins when we come back, because the man needs his time as well. Wiggins America in just a minute. Don't go away.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
3: Wiggins!
2: Oh! Wiggins! Alright guys, uh, that was a great
5: time check, so we're gonna follow that up with a great segment.
0: You're just doing the Wiggins play five set in the bar <laughs> right down here.
5: <laughs> yeah. Don't come in with high expectations. Ever. Then you and can. We'll always elevate. beat them. Yeah. We'll always beat them that way. That's
0: how we got my best friend.
5: <laughs> you just re- are you referring to my wife? I think you are.
0: Well, I don't know. Yeah, how you many are. other women are there? You
5: are. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got my wife is setting the bar low. You ah. said it. That's
0: your story.
5: I, I, you know what? We'll just leave that for another day. And I'll tell her. <laughs> you know what Annie said about He's you today? bailing on it now. She said that uh, I got you by setting the bar low.
0: Do you know that your wife will not believe you and she will text me and say Ryan's been saying lines? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I do know that. <laughs>
0: You said that your philosophy on marriage is to set the bar as low as possible so that it's not hard to meet and beat expectations. I'm in a
5: terrible situation now because the things... My wife now trusts you more than me. Hey,
2: why whoa whoa whoa. Why are you in a terrible
5: situation? Because if I go to her and I say surrounded by great women. I need to get you on my side about something on the Annie Fry show. (laughs) She immediately is gonna take your side and then probably text you for like all the details that I'm not giving her because she doesn't trust me.
4: I
0: think my wife would do the same thing. I care about both of them. Oh, no, I don't know. Like,
5: I feel like my wife would even trust you or Leah over me. Well, I would well, trust Ryan, me or Leah you. Ryan, you literally
0: are the one who has said repeatedly on the show that your philosophy and advice for people in marriage is to set the expectations <laughs> yeah, as low as possible. And then you just tried to make it seem like I said that Katie was low expectations, which is crap. From you outpicked your coverage there, mister. <laughs>
5: So from the get-go, and this is just a philosophy, and you have to do it from the from the start, though. It doesn't work like halfway through.
0: <laughs> you can't be like, hold on, reset.
5: Yeah. We, we can't, <laughs> you got to start this way. You got to start with the expectations really low, and then you just keep raising them slowly.
0: Mm-hmm. And
5: it works. I'm telling you, uh, what, we're 15 years into marriage now?
0: It's, the point here is don't put words in my <laughs> mouth and go tell your wife that I said that she was the product of low expectations. Because that's the opposite of true. I can
5: almost guarantee you that that's what I'm going to do.
0: That's okay. And I can almost guarantee you that she's not going to believe you. I I know.
5: I know. And that's what sucks. Because she's my best friend and she's great. These are stories that make you go.
0: I like that last one. That
5: last one was one of them. That's
0: all in content.
5: Sylvester Stallone is permanently leaving California behind for, for Florida. I was going to make you guess, and then Man, I was like, wait, how are you to say Florida? It's a
0: rough day.
5: After long, hard consideration, your mother and I have decided it's time to move on and leave the state of California permanently, and we're going to go to Florida. We're going to sell this house.
4: What? What? Yep.
0: What? Is this a joke? <laughs>
4: it's not a joke oh. at all.
0: Whole time. No LA time. time. We today. already have the place. Use the same drop done. we do in the middle of that conversation. Yeah.
5: <laughs> That's actually one of his daughters what? in the drop right there. What? The man. <laughs>
0: yeah.
5: He's a big guy, so they've got some testosterone too. Um,
0: All women do. <laughs>
5: uh, so this comes on the season premiere, the second season premiere. Of the family stallone. Has anybody ever watched this show? Absolutely not. I right? What the heck? What am I missing here? That this is now two seasons. If into? I
0: had time to waste, I wouldn't I would be curious, but I there's not a single show like that that exists on television that I'm interested in. No,
5: me either. Anybody, Leah? No. Never seen it? Okay. No. Good. Because he's going of, to Florida though. He is going to Florida. Duh. And <laughs> he he didn't really explain why. Uh he's but I, I'll give you a hint. He bought his sprawling $35 million home in Palm Beach in 2021. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what may, What do you think? Where is freedom
2: reigns. <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
5: Yeah, Now his wife is like, oh, there's no real reason. We just like Florida. It's like, okay, yeah, 2021 seems like a good time to buy there.
2: Ron DeSantis.
5: And Ron DeSantis actually commented. He's like, welcome to Florida, Stallone. <laughs> what? All right, next one. Now we'll go back out to California here for Panera Bread is apparently exempt from from California's new $20 minimum wage law. Why? Well, because the owner donated to Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh. (laughs) Uh, So there's this big new law. smart
0: business move.
5: That's for all employees. I mean, he's just looking out for the little guy. $20 an hour minimum wage hike for all fast food chains, except for this weird little carve-out that says, if you bake and sell bread... You don't have to do $20 And your restaurant wage.
0: starts with a P and ends with an A.
5: Yeah. In September, Newsom, bake and sell bread. a Democrat, signed this into law, and Newsom reportedly sought the exemption, which benefits, among others, Greg Flynn, the billionaire CEO of Flynn Restaurant Group, the company that owns some two dozen Panera Bread locations in the state. They attended the same high school they've been involved in business dealings in the California with California together according to Bloomberg News he has also contributed to Newsom's political campaigns this is uh,
0: this is the haves and have not have-nots just it's that simple you're either part of or adjacent to the ruling class or you're not I
5: don't I don't know what it is about this kind of stuff it makes me madder than most things now this has no direct impact on me because it's California but this stuff makes me so Mad when I see it, and it's also going to have the inverse effect. You think if somebody's working at, at uh, Panera, they're going to go, "Oh, I'll just stay here making the less minimum wage because we bake bread instead of going across the street to KFC where they're going to make mm-hmm. more." I mean, it's not even going to really work for them. All right, one last one to get to here before we Jimmy Fallon as uh, has has <laughs> has been on a roll. Actually, uh, he says Mitch McConnell is stepping down. And that can only mean one thing. Did you guys see what what that one thing was? No. No. So, hmm. Mitch McConnell stepping down. It can only mean one thing, according to Jimmy Fallon. After nearly two decades as a Republican leader in the Senate, Doesn't McConnell want is to stepping work down. With Trump, I bet. McConnell just turned eighty-two, so that can only mean one thing: he's running for president. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have time to play this clip? It's great. I can mean, you, he,
0: yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? Uh, Debate between Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden?
5: Oh, man, I haven't, but now that I am, I kind of want to watch that.
0: Brought to you by Depends. <laughs> Do you want to vote? I don't know Depends.
5: Listen, I, I pulled a string of jokes. and this wasn't it. I mean, he went on and on and on, but I pulled a string of jokes that Jimmy Fallon did on Biden. I
3: think this was last night. But things got off to a bit of a rough start when Biden took off his pants and the nurse said, sir, this is the waiting room. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait till you get inside. This is his health exam. Once Biden made it in, the doctor was like, who gave him anesthesia? The nurse said, no, that's just how he is. (laughs) But the president is actually in fantastic shape. Apparently, he wanders 10,000 steps a day.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Get him back in here. (laughs) I mean, it was good, and he keeps going. Just getting my steps
0: in, They did a
5: whole bit where uh, they take clips of Biden saying random things, and they pretend that Jimmy Fallon's interviewing him. And uh, he asks him a couple questions like, well, what's your heart rate, sir? And Biden goes, two. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's some really good clips in there. So I was I was really surprised to see this on late night TV. Kudos to Jimmy Fallon.
0: Jimmy Fallon is the one who I will still consume. If yeah. it's, in I'm not I'm not, I don't, is it 1035 still when he's on? I don't even know. Sounds about right. It's the way it was with Leno back in the day. But I... He's the only one in a short that I'll watch. I'm not watching Jimmy Kimmel to get angry because that's what he does 100% of the time.
5: Yeah. And Seth Meyers. He <laughs> just seems perpetually angry.
0: I If I had to list 10 late night hosts, Seth Meyers would not have been in the top 10 I would have even thought of until this week yeah. when he interviewed Joe Biden. <laughs> Talk about a snooze fest. Hard pass. Tyrus and Chairman Jason Smith in
1: a minute.
2: Get more at 971talk.com